1: Well, here we are, back to 2023, back in the saddle, getting my headings there. Oh, there we are. Now I can hear. Matt Dunn at your service, 4 to 7 p.m. Glad your ears are near a device, near a radio, in your vehicle, wherever you happen to be. And it was one of those years where Christmas happened to be Sunday, so we weren't in on Christmas. New Year's Day happened to be on Sunday, so we weren't in on Sunday. So we had to wait all the way till January 8th here, 2023, to get this year started properly. Your thoughts invited. would love to visit with as many folks as possible this evening, 303-696-1971. Your text messages are invited as well. Many of you know the text-to-studio line. And I don't have that off the top of my head, but uh, feel free to be checking in with us and adding, adding content, adding glory to the program. We get to read through all of those. And, of course, everyone's talking about, obsessing about dealing with the new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, finally got through. They'd have 15 votes. That's a lot of votes. And I don't know if that's some kind of a record or not, but finally got in there Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican. And one of the questions I'm kind of interested in throwing out, and to see what maybe Backbone Country has to say about it, are you excited about Speaker Kevin McCarthy? What is your level of excitement? What is your level of optimism? Do you think this is a uh, things-will-change kind of scenario? Things are going to be different in the future? Do you think this is positive on the whole? Certainly better than Pelosi. You'd have to say that, right? That change is good. Will the changes be real and enduring and lasting? Will they be cosmetic in nature? Or is Kevin McCarthy going to be the guy who um, who really can get something done? And he's always been a little hard to read on my end. I've always liked him a little bit more than Mitch McConnell, who I really have very little to say positive about Mitch McConnell. McCarthy, he seems to be a little here. He seems to be a little there. He seems to say this thing the right way and then maybe do this thing kind of quietly the wrong way, in my opinion but I'm curious what people might be thinking of Speaker McCarthy. And what did you think of the debate as well? It seemed like a lot of people were really going wild over this past week or so, um, really embarrassed by the debate. The mainstream media was saying, oh, it's so embarrassing to watch these Republicans going after each other. And I don't know. My take on it is that these debates are healthy. I like... I like primaries that get raucous, and I like debates like this that get raucous, because the only way you can get around a status quo is to have a bit of raucousness and to have elected officials and representatives kind of, you know, speaking up a little bit and pushing the boundaries a little bit, which I do think happened last week in the 20-house Mostly Freedom Caucus members did get some pretty interesting concessions that I think there's some there's some positives in there that if Speaker McCarthy, you know, when once you know he gets the gavel, he will have to uh abide by a few things that the twenty members of the House Freedom Caucus thought were important. And I will detail some of those, like balanced budgets and a secure border, and a new church committee. And Now that attracts my attention, a new church committee. Many listeners will know what the 1975, 1970s-era church committee was and why it was put into place. It was a committee that was brought in to investigate abuses of the intelligence agencies, mostly the CIA and the FBI at that time. And we're going to have another one. They might not call it a church committee. They might call it something else. And it looks like some good people will be at least involved in that committee. And so I thought I would take a little time because I do think the abuses of our bureaucrats, of our intelligence agencies, is perhaps the number one biggest problem right now in the American republic, It is hard to even use the word republic to describe this country so long as we have such out-of-control agencies and unelected bureaucrats rigging the system in so many ways. So I thought I would explore that. And uh, Massey, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Massey is going to be on there. He had a few interesting things to say about his plans for the church committee. Sundance, the conservative treehouse, been writing about this a little bit. Lee Smith has a really remarkable article about the FBI penetration of Twitter in recent years. And as a way of explicating this conundrum we are in as a country, I might review that a little bit as well. Along with the concept of compartmentalization, I've had some brainstorms about what compartmentalization is and how that how that operates within these agencies, and how that affects the republic as well. And that will need more explaining to make sense of what I'm trying to indicate there. Two days after the anniversary of January 6th, what would be what, the the, uh, second anniversary of January 6th? Still don't know much about Ray Epps, still don't know much about the pipe bomber, might look into that a little bit. The orchestrated, in my view, setup of January 6th. Ray Epps is out there saying he orchestrated, orchestrated the January 6th protest. He was in the front and he got people in the Capitol and still somehow Ray Epps, we've never really seen the release of his interview with Congress. We've never gotten anywhere on that. We've never gotten anywhere with the pipe bomber. Tucker Carlson has been all over that one. I wanted to look into that a little bit. This evening, as we are, January 8th is where we sit right now. Do you know that The View is the number one most influential political show in America, The View? Oh, does that make you hang your head a little bit? Does that make you hang your head? Oh, man, if that's what we're dealing with, I mean, if places like Backbone Radio were the number one most influential political Places you could go listen in America would be a little different world. You mean the people of The View, do they ever they ever heard of a church commission? They ever heard of that? <laughs> no, but there has got to be a place to go deeper and to get to the point and to lay things out. Adam Kinzinger, no longer in Congress, has gone to CNN. Yep. How predictable was that one? Adam Kinzinger. Yeah, That. That fellow shows up at CNN after a disgraceful career in Congress, a very dishonest, dishonorable individual, in my opinion. John Bolton, going to run for president, another one of these security state guys, wants to get in there, run for president. Of course, nobody cares, but it also brings up that point that you have these national security state people, these agency people who are always always wanting to get in there, and he, he says he wants to try, to try to stop Donald Trump from from winning another election. And by the way, I saw this, that the mail-in ballots, uh, part of, that's part of that Lee Smith article, that if you were on Twitter and you were casting aspersions or skepticism about the trustworthiness of mail-in ballots in America, in some states that have them, like mm, Colorado, shall we say? that you got censored. You got censored. You got blocked on Twitter for advocating uh, skepticism about mail-in ballots. Now, why Why would that be? Why would that be that the FBI would want to censor people who were skeptical of mail-in ballots on Twitter? Why would that be? I just, you know, throwing out a question mark there. Meanwhile, by the way, General Flynn, Mike Flynn, is back on Twitter Yeah, got censored, got banned, permanently banned. But then, yeah, Elon Musk is making some really positive changes at Twitter and got a long ways to go there, folks. He's up against, yes, the deep state. But we've got a lot to talk about, folks. What do you think of Kevin McCarthy? Optimistic? Is that good? How'd you like that debate? Be right back. Times like these, good time to be hanging around Backbone Radio. Glad you're on board, 303-696-1971. I'll be heading out for the phone lines, 4th, with, here. And we've got a little feedback about uh, trusting McCarthy. Uh, One, text the studio, I really don't trust McCarthy, but I do trust MTG and I do trust DJT. They both have not wavered on Kevin this go around. Like DJT likes to say, let's see what happens. Right on in another Texas studio. Zelensky was one of the first to congratulate McCarthy on the speakership and then asked McCarthy for more money. That doesn't bode well. (laughs) I was happy to see more debate the four days then was done overspending 1.7t of our money sadly i think mccarthy is just a politician and the r's don't have the guts to do investigations which actually result in real consequences and yeah we've got we're going to have a range of opinions on uh on speaker mccarthy i'm going to be explicating where i come down on that one interesting yes that trump nearing that uh, last 15th vote did did throw support to Kevin McCarthy, probably helped get him over the top. But Trump has been pro-McCarthy generally, generally over the past month or so. I've noticed those, those statements from Trump that somehow he doesn't, he doesn't feel confident in rocking the boat. It's too risky to rock the boat in terms of House leadership. Who knows exactly what's going on there? More thoughts to be following on this. Do you trust McCarthy? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Question mark out there. Let's get on the phone lines on that. It looks like we have Jack in Wyoming. Get the button pressed, Jack up in Cheyenne. Great to hear your voice in 2023. How are you, sir?
0: Happy New Year, Matt. Yes, you, you as and well. your wife and your four children.
1: Right on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know me. I'm always the gadfly. But uh I heard you say that Adam Kinsinger has signed on with CNN.
1: Yes, did
0: you and uh <laughs> I heard a rumor too. I heard I heard Liz Cheney is gonna sign on with KNUS.
1: Oh. You heard that rumor? I, I haven't heard that rumor. That's, can't imagine that happening, oh, she, uh frankly, Jack. But uh Kinzinger...
0: She 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 could team up with Boyles.
1: Oh okay, yeah. Um yeah, Liz Cheney. What did she lose by forty points up in your state of Wyoming, Jack? Forty? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was over forty. That
1: was, <laughs> that was a drubbing. But
0: I, I, I really, I really, I really think that that Gates and some of them are going to push McCarthy as hard as they can. Whether or not they'll be successful is anybody's guess.
1: Yeah, what did but you think at least, about at that? Least
0: there's a little bit of a little bit of a spine starting to grow. The question is, there, is the pendulum going to go that way or not? And probably not.
1: The some people you know the mainstream media was said, "Oh, these nihilistic twenty Republicans are really wrecking the place. They're so embarrassing. Did you find it embarrassing to see some Republicans you know stand up for these very reasonable, reasonable demands you know that they they put upon McCarthy?
0: Well apparently he has to sign that and apparently one the Republican party can, can 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 ask for his resignation. I mean, I don't know how binding that is. But, yeah. I mean, if it's just like everything else in Washington, nothing's binding. I mean, come on. The law is what they want it to be whatever day they decide to change it. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
1: Well, balanced budgets and no more omnibus stuff, you know, those gargantuan spending bills that they don't even read. They just rubber stamp them through, you know, billions, billions, billions of dollars here, there, wherever the lobbyists want them. They said secure a border and... Yeah, and what what about this church committee? Uh, are you a are you familiar with the church committee from the seventies, Jack? I yes, know you are. Yes, what, what, what's course, your take on that? Of course, am. Yeah. I so. think that's exactly what they need. But the problem
0: is, how do you staff it? How do you get the the the, the deep staters out of the out of that deep
1: Exactly. It. I, I,
0: getting I get control of this country away from the deep state. is not going to actually put Donald Trump. The only way is. It's not going to happen any other way, and I mean the balance of, of the civility of this entire globe on that. More smart enough to understand that, and I, I, most people don't understand me when I talk. That's well,
1: oh yes, again. we do around here. We understand you. Occasionally, your connection from Wyoming is a little patchy, but we but we just work through it because it's so vital to hear your voice. But do you remember the church committee, church commission being a big deal in the 70s to the extent you were following stuff yep. then? Yes. You remember Gary Hart, our own senator, was on that? He was a church committee guy?
0: My wife and his wife were very good friends, my my late wife. Yes, I'm familiar with
1: Gary Hart. And as I look back on that, I kind of think Gary Hart had a lot of good stuff going in terms of his understanding of what we now call the deep state. You know, he saw the abuses of the FBI and the CIA firsthand in that in that commission. And in some ways, I think it is too bad that he ended up getting sidelined in American politics. That was, you know, far left—you'd say a uh, you know left-wing Democrat. But where where are those Democrats that that understood the problem of the deep state? Where are they today, right?
0: Well, they they're all profiting off of the deep state, and it's you know it's the old saying. Limbaugh, you follow the money.
1: Follow Pretty the cool. money.
0: That's the answer to all of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the answer to every bit
1: of it. Yeah, good point. And so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to dig into that church, church commission in more detail, maybe an hour or two. Well,
0: it's, it, 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 it's to have an impartial panel to out the corruption in government. And I don't know that they can be successful with it. But, you know, if you get a guy like Matt Gates and a few of the others, you know, if you get them in there and, you know, they're, they're not bashful, they're not shy... You know, they're not shrinking violets. So, I mean, that may help.
1: It, it may help. I think you're, you're... Yeah, Boebert. Boebert. she was one of the 20, our yeah. own Lauren Boebert. Uh, Matt yeah. Gates seemed to be yeah. a bit of the ringleader of this in the McCarthy debate. But I think you're right to be very guarded with any hint of optimism about a new church commission, because it's so entrenched, it's so widespread, and what can they possibly do uh, what what can they do to shake the hen house it needs a major shake which is why i approve of having a major debate you know whether or not mccarthy should be speaker but it's, it's interesting how some people get made so uncomfortable well, by by this you know oh, oh gosh there was like debate and people were yelling and if, oh
0: well if, the evidence that we have on on biden right now is 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 going to wake up a lot of the people that are asleep in this country and when if, if they can accomplish that if they can reach out to what hillary clinton's crimes have been and then they can uh, they can look into that and, and the thing about hillary clinton is she's not a deep stater it's a completely different uh avenue of, of, of what's good for hillary clinton it's not the, she's not a deep stater but the deep staters are the ones that have to be taken care of but mm. they, they all need to be prosecuted
1: But I would say the way Hillary was able to manipulate the FISA courts and the, you know, the way she had Perkins Coy, the lawyers in there working the deep state system to spy on Trump, go after Trump, you know, maybe did Hillary initiate that? I would say probably so. And, you know, with her husband, I mean, they, 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 they know how to pull all those levers would be my take on that one, Jack.
0: Well, that's true but I mean you're, we're talking I don't I don't consider Hillary the deep state I mean she's she's absolutely diabolical I mean she's she's unbelievably but
1: right right
0: not doing anything other than what is what advances Hillary Clinton that's, that's only focus
1: at the expense of the Republic her part of the <laughs> yes yeah
0: because of everything Sell all the uranium the united states to the russians i get money in my bank account who cares
1: I mean, yeah and somehow that story never really went anywhere never really got fully detailed and explicated i always wondered whatever happened to that uranium sale thing but anyway here comes the well, break
0: gonna...
1: but uh All right, bye. jack wyoming you stay groovy up there Bye. stay in close touch with us and yeah, we want to we want to get some Jack opinions on the church commission, uh, maybe maybe later on in the program, but it's Matt Dunn, it's Backbone Radio. Yeah, we're live, we're local. 303-696-1971. All right, welcome back. It's Backbone Radio. Matt Dunn here, and it's 303-696-1971. You're invited to check in. Just trying to take the pulse of what people are thinking of new speaker Kevin McCarthy, we can probably agree that's a significant improvement over Nancy Pelosi, the now former speaker who hung up her gavel. And Paul Ryan, the speaker before Pelosi, went out of his way to praise Nancy Pelosi as a great, great speaker of the House and you know, it's always a bit of an issue with the rhino class, the globalist Republican Party class, and it is always a little hard to pigeonhole McCarthy. For many years here at Backbone Radio, we would visit with Jennifer Kearns, one of my good friends and political contacts. She's from California, used to work with Kevin McCarthy When she was out in California with the California Republican Organization, and she always, always had a lot of high praise for McCarthy. She always thought he was really top-notch in somebody who would walk into a fraught situation and would come out smiling, having made a deal that worked out well for for at least Kevin McCarthy and maybe maybe the broader political situation— and so that, that always was positive uh, for me to hear from Jennifer Kearns. But, uh, you know, I, I just tend to be skeptical, skeptical, and there are reasons to be. But by the way, this debate we just had with the 20 Republicans really piping up and making their voices heard, that's all good. That's all healthy. And I always do wonder why some people seem to be uncomfortable with, like, loud political debates in which people really go after each other. That's... That's the deal, folks. That's democracy. That's what democracy is. But sometimes the manners crowd, the manners crowd uh, gets nervous when, when political debate gets raucous. And my, my coaching on that is, no, hey, let, let's, let, let's have that. Because these 20 Republicans did get some really good concessions out of McCarthy. I'll detail those here in a moment. Um, and so it was very worthwhile. Now, Roger Kimball, who edits the new Criterion, he's a wonderful, wonderful commentator, perhaps the most literary and literate conservative commentator on the scene. Hope you're following Kimball. He always is bringing in quotes from, you know, Horace Walpole and, you know, different literary figures from over the centuries. He's got them all in the, you know, the back of his head that he can just, just bring into his columns in the most perfectly worked in manner. But his essay on McCarthy, he calls it The New McCarthyism Appears in the American Greatness, came out yesterday. And he says, well, when it comes down to it, I don't get the distinct feeling that a lot is going to change with McCarthy as speaker. And he does say that McCarthy has generally been unreliable as an ally to the right and he talks about, you know, he's from California. He likes to spend money. He's shoveled billions, billions of dollars to Ukraine. He seemed to be quite gung-ho about spending all that money for Ukraine. He's done very little to secure our southern border. Doesn't seem to have a passion for the secure border, which kind of puts him in the squish category. Does it not? He... um seemed to be in favor of granting amnesty to illegal immigrants. He was happy to fund the January 6th Kangaroo Court, supported mandatory vaccines for the military. And so Roger Kimball, who's a really, again, trustworthy voice does say that McCarthy is a swamp creature and the swamp sure loves their own. And so when I saw there was going to be a big debate and there was a lot of tension over whether or not McCarthy would get over the top. I thought, well, he's going to get over the top. It's, he's going to get, you know, he's, it's, he's going to make it. And it's just a matter of when. And maybe the goal would be to get as many concessions from the Freedom Caucus as possible to try to make sure that he has the best chance or has his hands tied so that whatever his swamp tendencies are, whatever, you know, his spending tendencies are, they can be restrained a little bit. And again, these 20 House Republicans that were standing up to McCarthy, they they were standing up for very reasonable things about balanced budgets and reforms to the omnibus spending system that's been going through Congress for a decade or two, made solid points about securing borders. And again, this church committee, which I want to be detailing a little bit, maybe I'll get around to that in the next hour. So um, so that, uh, and by the way, Roger Kimball does work in a quote from Horace Walpole, the 18th century Whig writer and politician who once remarked that, quote, no country was ever saved by good men because good men will not go to the length that may be necessary, which is maybe a a bit of a, a calming or neutralizing thought about our prospects under McCarthy. But it's good that we got the House, right? It's good. And it's good that people like Jim Jordan are going to have a bigger voice, and Thomas Massey are going to have a bigger voice. And I did find it interesting that, yeah, Trump, a little bit uh, surprised some, but he has he did endorse McCarthy after the third vote, and so got all the way to the 15th vote before McCarthy got over the top. But I do think that did help move the needle in favor of McCarthy, and... It's interesting to me that uh, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to decipher Trump's Trump's overall goals. Uh, he seems to want to try to save the Republican Party. He thinks that the Republican Party can be reformed from within. He thinks that can happen. Um, some people think, no, the Republican Party is too dominated by the corporate class, by the globalist class, by the rhino class, and that it has to be essentially dismantled and, uh, you know, the the legs pulled off of that spider altogether. But Trump, that's that, that would be consistent with Trump that he seems to I don't know where he comes down on Ronna McDaniel. Has anyone seen that? Has has Ronna McDaniel earned Trump's support again? He's always been kind of close with Rana. He still gives Ronna credit for getting him over the top in Michigan in twenty sixteen. And he's very loyal in that way. It's just too bad that these people are not loyal to Trump, you know, across the board, and that, that does include Ronna McDaniel, you know, and does it include McCarthy? You know, the, the big thing about McCarthy, and I remember doing a whole show on this once, is that remember when he was roommates with Frank Luntz? <laughs> oh, Frank Luntz, Frank Luntz, yeah. He's kind of the fellow. I met him a couple times, you know, come out to Colorado and give a talk and I would say hello to him a few times and something about Frank Luntz I have never never quite been able to abide I've never certainly never trusted Frank Luntz and he was one of the most vicious never Trumpers and of course he found ways to get on the mainstream I believe was he on Fox or was he on CNN or where did he do those like polls where he would sit in front of the audience and he would ask them questions and then they would turn their little dials and answer the questions, and he would always try to sort of manipulate the crowd in front of him, the immediate studio audience, and then also the public at large, by extension, by trying to manipulate them into a sort of a rhino-type posture. So Frank Luntz, no respect for that guy, just have to say it. Um, But why why roommate with McCarthy? Why would McCarthy do that? You know, is he just trying to make sure that he was square with, uh, you know, at, at least at that time, an influential pollster. Yeah, I don't know how encouraging some of this stuff is, but, you know, uh, Jim Jordan apparently was getting quite a few votes coming into him. I think if we were going to have the potential at real change, real reform, in the United States House of with a new speaker, Jim Jordan seems to me to he would have been the guy. Right, The wrestler, the college wrestler, number one in America in his weight class. Real stalwart standing up against the deep state all the way along. You can criticize Jordan for rolling over a bit to the tech tyrants. He seems to have not been able to muster much enthusiasm for going after Google and Facebook and so forth. But yet, about wouldn't you say Jordan's about as good as it could have been? But then McCarthy again with that mixed track record... And a little bit hard to pinpoint, a little bit hard to pin down. Sometimes he comes out and he says just the right stuff, right? That gets the base, um, the normal, broad Republican base, thinking that he, <clears throat> he's pretty solid. You don't, you never see McConnell do that. McConnell, McConnell never steps up and offers any concessions to the base or any respect to the base of the Republican Party, unless the, his election for you know, Senate is like a week away. Then he'll walk onto stage with a gun and he'll talk about Second Amendment rights and he'll talk about things that patriots like to hear talked about. McConnell, he'll only do that for one week, but McCarthy does that more often. So I think a lot of our uh, text to studio have been pretty spot on. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. I just had a text to studio. Time will tell on McCarthy. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just like, We'll just have to sit back and and watch this play, and we'll see if these concessions work. And again, those concessions look look pretty solid. I might review those here in just a moment. It's Backbone Radio 710 KNUS, your local talk leader. Be right back. There we go, a little Boston peace of mind bringing us back in. That's one I try to play with the kiddos I think the kids do need to know some of that old 70s music you know to be properly well-rounded little people and they do seem to like Boston that's that's one that holds up some of that other stuff it's it's hard to get them to uh, come around a little bit they kind of like their you know their kid music the current kid music stuff what is it New Republic and things like that Imagine Dragons they're 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 pretty good at any rate the what, what are the concessions that these 20 conservative stalwarts helped weasel out or I wouldn't say weasel out, but helped chisel out of the Republican Party leadership? And I thought I would just Ross Russ, Russ vote, V-O-U-G-H-T, as the president of Citizens for Renewing America, which does seem like a pretty solid organization. We do need some renewing in this country. But he has a statement, and I think this is a good summary of what concessions were chiseled out by a nice solid four or five day debate that required 15 votes to get McCarthy in there. By the way, I had a text to studio about, um, yeah, um, describing these 20 brave souls with a spine to stand up and at least negotiate some concessions. But um, they didn't make it more than a week. Apparently, back in 1923, there was um, a two-month-long debate about the speaker. So at least we got about a week. But apparently, there's been times when there's been longer. And I have not researched the history of this kind of thing, but this probably was one of the longer ones. It certainly wasn't a rubber stamp. And that is important, given McCarthy's somewhat unreliable track record, right? At any rate... Russ Vought, president of Citizens for Renewing America, says this. After the entire political establishment, including all manner of legacy conservative pundits, said it was wrong or impossible. The 20 conservative stalwarts who temporarily blocked Kevin McCarthy from becoming speaker have now forced an agreement that, as reported, is truly transformational in how the House of Representatives should be run it levels a body blow against the D.C. political cartel that colludes against the the American people. And he continues, does Russ vote? Namely, it gives House conservatives the procedural power through the all-important Rules Committee to control the consideration of all major bills and amendments, independence from leadership not seen in nearly 60 years. It creates a modern-day church-style committee with full authority and resources to hold the weaponized national security state accountable. It commits the House to balance the budget in 10 years with substantial cuts to woke and weaponized government and dictates the terms for the upcoming fight on the debt limit and... It enforces all of these commitments by allowing any one member to force a vote on removing the speaker. All of these are major priorities envisioned and championed by the Center for Renewing America. And so he concludes this little statement by saying, This agreement would not be possible but for the early and immediate five members who defined the art of the possible by publicly declaring their opposition to Mr. McCarthy. And now this agreement must be the foundation moving forward in the House of Representatives for all future speakers. And so that language there is pretty strong. You know, he talks about truly transformational scenario here that these 20 stalwarts brought about. Talks about a body blow against the D.C. political cartel. And to me, that... That might be a little bit uh, stronger language than I would be comfortable with using just at the present moment with McCarthy, but but at least there is something there. At least there is something, and I keep getting text to studio. <laughs> um, this is uh, yeah about that uh, 1923 scenario where it took two months to get the speaker elected. They went 133 rounds back in 1923. And this texture says, now those were some fighters. So we went 15 rounds in in, uh, 2023. But back in 1923, what would that be exactly 100 years ago? Yeah, 100 years ago. Right on. Those were some fighters. Yeah, can you imagine what our media would have done? To Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and what the you know the political cartel would have been trying to do to those people. And again, you know, when I kept hearing people talking about it, and you know, friends would check in with me and so forth, and there seemed to be a lot of people just kind of distraught. Oh no, it's like this debate is going on, and like oh, was it some guy named Mike Rogers was threatening Matt Gates? Did you see that video? Like threatening and shoving and pushing and uh yeah. That's uh, obviously across the line. But, of course, that would be spun against Matt Gaetz for G-A-E-T-Z, who is a pretty at least outspoken conservative out of Florida and has been for many years. And he's been targeted by the deep state. You're darn right about that. Turns out that was all groundless and sort of was quietly waved away after they used it against him during some key moments when the debates were getting intense on other issues so uh but think about this: the media you know, and the rhinos they say, "Oh, you know these these twenty conservatives they're really wrecking the place they're really causing all these problems and all these hassles, but where is the media when someone like a rhino Lisa Murkowski ends up undermining the Republican position on various issues uh, by going voting with the Democrats. You know what I mean? Where is that kind of outrage? You, see, you don't see that. You know, you get the outrage gets directed at people like Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert or some of their cohorts, some of their uh, what a texter is called 20 brave souls just end up and fight for these potentially transformational concessions from the GOP leadership. You know, the, the outrage gets directed at these people who are coming from the outside, the outside of the political establishment, the outside of the beltway interest, the outside of the ruling class. Right. But somehow, if a, you know, if a Lisa Murkowski undermines the Republican platform on everything she can possibly think of by waiting to the last minute to vote against the Republican position and vote with the Democrats, you know what I mean? Where where is the outrage there? Where where is it? You know, where where where, you see? That's that's sort of you have to step back and look at where the outrage gets directed and upon whom it is directed and you have to realize that that outrage is controlled by the political class and they have an echo chamber, they have a megaphone and the megaphone echoes off of another megaphone, off of another megaphone. So it's, you know, you got to salute the courage of people like Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, and others for standing up to all of that, which it really can't be easy to do because, you know, when you're out there in that fishbowl in the beltway and everybody's talking about it and everybody's reading about it and casting aspersions upon you, it takes something more than even a thick skin wouldn't you say it takes uh, it takes commitment? It takes commitment to doing that, and that's that's where that Roger Kimball quote comes in. And should I should I read it from from Hugh Wal Horace Walpole, who was an 18th century Whig writer and politician, who said that no country was ever saved by good men because good men will not go to the length that may be necessary. And these twenty good men and women, did seem to go to at least four days of length and 15 votes of length. I guess that doesn't quite compare to the 133 rounds back in 1923. But just a little salute, a little salute to these people who are standing up and doing what they can against all the echo chamber, against all the political power to fight for this great nation. It's Matt Dunn, it's Backbone Radio, 710 KNUS, 303-696-971.